you, Josh. Um, he, Josh kind of said, I'm following some of the same footsteps. So, But don't expect, like, Josh up here. I'm not Josh. This isn't my normal thing um, to be up here. And um, it is good to see all of you this morning. We are, well, before I start, I had this theory that it ended up working out in the first service where if I tell you what kind of I'm nervous about, then it helped me not be that nervous. So I'm going to tell you, I was two things really. I was really nervous about falling when I got up on stage. I just think there's not a good recovery from that. <laughs> um, so check, I'm not scared of that anymore. Um, but my second thing, I'm, I'm kind of an external processor, a.k.a. I ramble. Whatever I'm thinking is is what I'm saying, and so I'm trying not to stray too far from my notes and ramble, but um, but God is, has helped me out in that. So um, side note again, um, Josh approached me, and Bruce was there too, and, and he asked if I would be willing to speak, and I was like, oh, imagine Josh asking you to speak. That's probably how it felt. I was like, oh my gosh, he wasn't joking. He didn't smile. He was serious. So... It's like, man, okay. Um, it took me a few weeks, maybe one or two weeks or something, and you know, um, I agreed. Like, okay, I'll try it. Um, we'll see how it goes. And um, I'm really glad I did that. And just this because of this week, just preparing for this. Again, this isn't normal. I don't write. I don't. I'm not a preacher. You know, I don't write sermons. But it was really cool to see and to experience God, you know, speaking to me and, and working this out through me. So let me encourage you guys, um, next time you have an opportunity to stretch a little bit, um, say yes. I hesitated. You know, you might hesitate, but, but go ahead and do it. So um, it's been really cool this past week. Um, we're in the middle of a series, like Josh said, it's called Box Office Wisdom. And what we're, what we're doing is looking at the movies that are coming out um, as they... Like the weekend they come out, we try to time it just right to, to be on time with these. But we look at what is this movie saying? What is the message that we're le- we leave the movie theater with? Um, and then we want to ask the question, is that true? A lot of times we watch movies, we get pumped, um, even start talking about it, but we miss that last question. Is that message really true? And so that's what we're doing here. And that inevitably leads us to what God says about something. Um, so this week, The Amazing Spider-Man came out, I think on Tuesday. Um, I got to see it last night, probably when I should have been resting for this morning, but we went and we saw it, and it's, it's really cool. I'm not going to lie. Um, I'm not a comic book guy. I don't know. I, don't, I haven't read it all, but it was actually really cool. So um, let's watch the trailer for the movie, and it'll just throw a little bit of a backdrop on what we talk about. So let's watch that. Put those I love in danger. But the one thing that has haunted me my entire life is finding the truth about my parents. You're a wanted man, Peter Parker. I don't believe what the police are saying to you. My dad has 500 officers looking for you. 500? That seems a bit excessive. You know, if you're gonna steal cars, don't dress like a car thief. We found my weakness. It's small knives. 
Who are you? Tell us a little bit about yourself, Mr. Parker. What did your father do, Peter? Well, I never really knew my father. My parents left when I was very young. Peter, someday you will understand it. Keep telling the boy about his father. Dr. Cutters. I'm Richard Parker's son. If you want the truth about your parents, Peter, come and get it. Spider-Man. It's pretty amazing. It's it was intense watching that trailer. I'm replaying it. It was it's cool. But so this movie came out um, this week. It, it had been done a, a couple years ago, and all the buzz has been it's too soon to do it again. But I disagree. I liked it. I'll, I'll watch it again. It's a similar story, but one thing I really liked about this version is we really get to track. It's it's almost more about Peter Parker than it is about Spider-Man in a way. Um, it, it, there's a little more human side to it um, than just Spider-Man. Um, so I really like that. And, and you, you, you get the kind of the, the theme of it from the trailer a little bit is there's this search. Um, Peter Parker as a kid, his, his parents um, disappeared and there's this journey. Um, he's trying to track down who are my parents and and really, what's behind that is, you know, his identity. Um, who am I? Um, am I important? You know, these types of questions are kind of what drives him. Um, I think it's pretty easy to identify with Peter Parker. Um, you saw him there. He's kind of average. Um, he's kind of, you know, a little bit dorky, but also got this cool edge. He's like a skateboarder. And, you know, so you probably think of yourself, I'm pretty cool, but maybe I have a little dorky side too, and I'm pretty average. And so I think it's really easy, maybe that's just me, um, more on the dorky end, but it, I think it's easy to kind of identify with Peter, and right away you're kind of on his team, you're cheering for him, and, um, and also his journey. I think we ask a lot of these same questions, am I important, do I, do I matter, where do I find my identity, and can my life be significant? These are questions we ask. I don't, maybe you ask them verbally or in your journal, but at some level, I think we all ask these questions. It's kind of our nature to want to be significant, want to be a part of something big. Um, and I think the reason why is because when we know who we are, that really helps clarify why we matter. So when we talk about our identity, it's really closely connected to our significance. And we can talk about identity and significance, kind of in the same conversation. So this is the theme. This is a major theme in the movie that we're going to look at. I think we all try to do this, and probably we don't go to Oscorp and try to get bit by a spider and turn into Spider-Man. We don't, that's not how we look for significance. Um, but here's some ways that we might. And, and actually, here's a pattern that a lot of times we might fall into is we, we kind of step back, we, we take a survey. What do people value? We look at other people. What are the things that they are valuing? Then we ask ourselves, do I measure up to that? And lastly, we, we try to gain honor among people by having those things that they value or becoming those things that they value. So that's a common process, and I, I can identify that in my life. I was thinking about this, and 
I remember in high school um, seeing this pattern especially, and still now I, it's something that comes up, but in high school especially, I was pretty mediocre guy. I was short. I think I was 5'3 when I started high school, so short for a guy, I think. Not quite 100 pounds. Um, I always wore a white t-shirt and blue jeans. That was my attire. That's all I had. I was, so I was a pretty normal guy, kind of short, whatever. But I, I, I identified this pattern. I, I looked for my identity through being kind of the funny guy. I wasn't the most athletic. I wasn't, you know, whatever, the best looking. But, you know, I could be the funny guy. So I, I remember, you know, finding kind of some validation in groups, being the funny guy. Or I, I gained honor among people. I felt like part of the gang. You know, so that was one way I looked for identity. And maybe that's not it for you. Um, maybe it's some of these things here on your listening guide. Um, maybe as, as a parent, maybe you look for significance through your kids. And I can't speak as a parent quite yet. We have a baby girl brewing um, coming in September. But, um, I, so I can't speak as a parent yet, but I can already get, I can imagine things like, we don't have a name picked yet, but our girl, you know, playing the piano at the recital and nails it. She just what she's practicing. I already feel that pride. I already feel that. I'm not a parent yet, but I can imagine that and it pumps me up. Or making it to first base, playing softball or something. I just, I get pumped up so I can see how, I can't speak as a parent, but maybe as a parent you could look through, look for significance through your kids. And I actually was thinking about this and it was Monday night and our TV tends to find its way to the show The Bachelorette on Monday nights. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, if you haven't, good for you. But it's, it's a show, and the premise is this woman dates like 30 guys at, at first, all at the same time, and then she starts eliminating them. Who do I want to pick at the end? And so it's kind of, when we step back and look at that, it's kind of silly, but we watch it. Um, don't pretend like you don't watch it. You guys all nodded. So you know what I'm talking about. But there's this scene this week that's down to like four guys or five something like that. And there's this scene where um, the, this one of the moms of one of the guys competing for the girl, she has this little sidebar interview and she's talking about um, how he, she wants her son to win. And, and here's a quote. I was thinking about this, so when I heard it, I ran and, and wrote this down so it should be pretty close to verbatim. She said, this is the mom, Chris is everything to me. Whatever makes him happy makes me happy. And I thought, man, that's, that's a good illustration. And I don't, I'm not um, putting blame or, or accusing this mom of something, but, but can't you see maybe how being a parent, whatever makes my kids happy is going to make me happy. Whatever, he's everything to me. You know, that can be a way that as parents, maybe we look for significance. Um, not all of us have kids, so maybe for you it's a, a relationship. Maybe you seek identity and re, um, significance through, man, if I could date that girl or that guy, or, um, or maybe if I was friends with this circle, with this group, that would really boost my esteem and I would be more significant that way. So maybe it's that. Maybe it's things that relate to our image. Um, maybe it's my marriage needs to look perfect on the outside, and maybe it's not on the inside, but the image has to be maintained. Um, your career. A lot, of, a lot of times we can look for significance in what we do in our career could be your finances. If my paycheck was X number of dollars, you know, that would be really important. I would be significant. A lot of times we think this. I think this. 
having the latest and the greatest things. Um, these are all on your listening guide as well. So this is our culture, having the latest and greatest, isn't that? Um, it's hard to escape that. And I noticed even in this movie, um, watching TV, isn't it convenient how all the labels are like perfect at the camera? And, and so you know what it is they're driving or you know, you know the pants they're wearing or you know, keeping up. This is an image thing, and, and a lot of times we look for significance this way. Maybe it's intelligence for some people. It's holding your own in a conversation, or if I get this degree or this major in college, you know, that's going to make me important and significant. Um, for me, this pops up a little bit. I've identified this too. I really like watching Jeopardy. Any other Jeopardy folks? So... I, and I think part of it, that's kind of dorky, I'll admit it, you know, but I like it. Um, and part of it is, you know, if you get the answer right before they click in and, you know, then that feels good. You know, by the way, you have to get it before they click in or else you don't get it, you know. But that feels good. It's like, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm important. I knew that, you know. And it's like, I always get nervous when there's like Bible categories. And <laughs> if I don't know that, then that's kind of a shot. Like, oh, I should know that. But anyway, intelligence could be a way. Um, accomplishments, maybe good works. Um, a lot of times, and this is, this is a lot of the, you know, when we boil down a lot of the messages of, of society, um, especially in, in terms of how do I find significance, it's look inside of yourself and do something great. And that's, we see that in Spider-Man, but we see that, I think, in most of these movies that, that we've talked about. Um, good works, achievements are, probably the, the primary way a, a lot of times we look for significance. And so maybe there's something else. I, there's a blank there on your listening guide. So maybe you can identify something I didn't mention. These actually came pretty quick to me because these, maybe these are some of my ways that I look for significance sometimes. But maybe for you, you, thought you, th- you can identify something else. You can write it there. So but before I move on, I want to be clear. I don't want to cast this shadow on, on these things. In and of the, themselves, these things in the guide, they're not bad. They're not evil things. In fact, all of them can be good things. God can use these things. God made us a certain way. But what, what can happen is harm can come when we over-prioritize these things or when we look for our significance through these things. Kind of the nature of of the world, of humanity, is we twist it. You know, we, what once was good, we can twist that, and that can become evil. And so in terms of finding our significance, we can, we can look for our significance in the wrong places, and that ends up steering our lives. Decisions we make are off course. And so that's, that can be the problem. So let's see, we're, gonna, we're asking the question, so where do we find significance? Is it true that I can look inside of myself and, and find significance? And actually, we're going to look at the Bible, and, and it says no. Unfortunately, no. They're on our own, by our own efforts, we can't look inside of ourselves and then become significant, at least ultimately. Spider-Man was significant, you know, to beat the villain, and I'm sure there will be part two, and he'll be significant again to beat the villain. But ultimately, you know, we're talking about eternally, can we find significance? And the Bible says no. And so let's read this verse. Um, Ephesians 2, verses 1 and 2. And, and here in Ephesians, this is a letter from Paul to a group of people in Ephesus. That's why it's called Ephesians. And, and they are already trusting God with their lives. So this is Paul sending a message to them. He says, As for you, 
You were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, who is Satan, and the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So that first part. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. He's saying that to the Ephesians, but but that's us too. That's our, kind of our, the cards we've been dealt. Um, that first point here, unfortunately, death is our default mode. This is this is how the moment we are alive, we are <laughs> um, dead in a way. You know, in terms of spiritually speaking, that's that's the nature of of our condition. So Paul's saying, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, which, and that's because we follow the ways of the world. That's that's what we know. Um, the same idea is also written in Romans. A couple um, cross references here. Romans three twenty three says, "All have sinned and fall short of, of God's glory." Everybody, you and me, um, the the Ephesians, you know, everybody has sinned. Anyone who is human has sinned. And that next verse, Romans six twenty three, says, "The wages of sin is death." So everybody has sinned. Everybody's wage, what we deserve, is death. And that's Unfortunately, that's the default mode. That's what I mean by default mode. It's kind of a bummer. If we ended here, you know, church is over, that's a bummer. You know, we, we probably wouldn't meet all together to hear this message. Um, so, however, God offers us a different way. So that's, this is why we're here. And when we talk about ultimate significance, this is where we're going to find it. It's in God's way. It's a different way than what our default is. So let's continue reading. In this verse, verses 4 and 5 in this chapter. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. So here's the good news. And and let's camp on this for a minute and let's unpack this. There's things that we need to learn about God that are in this verse and I want to present them to you in, in terms or in the form of kind of like a recipe. So the question is, can I be, how do I be significant? Can I be significant? And here's some of the ingredients we need to make that happen. So first, circle um, on your guide his great love. Just great love. Circle or underline or star, whatever you do. Spider, buy it. Spider-Man. You know, great love. The Christian faith begins and ends with God's love for his people. It's a love that is so far beyond what we can fathom. In fact, we sang, the second song we sang, His love is deeper than any ocean, higher than the heavens, further than the stars in the sky. The biggest things we can think of, you know, the earth or the universe, God, you know, we, we sing about that. He's, his love is bigger. It has no bounds, is what that song says. It's, it's uh, inexplicable. But I was reading this, um, this verse and I came across this quote from a biblical scholar. So I'm going to use his stuff because he's smart. He says about God's love, we can speak of it as his intense concern for, deep personal interest in, warm attachment to, and spontaneous tenderness towards his chosen ones. But all this is but to stammer. Those and only those who experience it are the ones who know what it is, though even they can never fully comprehend it. So he tries to put it into words, but you know, only if you experience it, you can get close to knowing, but we still can't know it. 
God's love is, is so great. Don't you want to be on the receiving end of that, these things? Intense concern for, deep personal interest, warm attachment, spontaneous tenderness. You know, love is a flowery, you know, thing, but even the toughest guys in here, you know, we want that. God's love is great. The second thing, go ahead and circle um, God who is rich in mercy. Mercy, that's the second ingredient here. This is how we're going to find significance is God's love and God's mercy. And what mercy is, if we break that down a little bit, we already we know what God's love is, sort of. We can't fully know. But mercy is when God's, God in his love turns towards us. And in our death, as, as our default mode, when we sin, it's ugly to him, but he still can turn and, and love us. And that's what mercy is. In fact, there's a, a story that Jesus told to kind of help us understand this idea of mercy. Um, in Luke chapter 10, the story of the Good Samaritan appears. It's a parable. And Jesus talks about um, this man. Here's, here's the real, the cliff notes. This man is journeying on a road. He, he is robbed by a gang, probably. He's beaten, he's stripped, and he's left for dead. So that's the scene this guy walks by, he's a priest, and I joked about the first service, I picture Josh walking by, you know, he's that category for me, what I have in my mind. Josh would never do this, but, but the priest walks by and, and sees him and keeps going, probably sped up a little bit to get past the man. Um, and you, would, you would expect something different from a priest. And then the second, a second man walks by, he's a Levite, and that is a, similar to a priest. It's a person who was set aside for God's work in that day and he walked by probably couldn't get by him fast enough but then I'll let Jesus finish the story this is Luke 10 but a Samaritan as he traveled came to where the man was when he saw him he took pity on him he went to him and bandaged his wounds pouring oil and wine then he put the man on his own donkey took him to an inn and took care of him the next day he took out two silver coins gave them to the innkeeper Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So I'm, I'm picturing the story. It's, he stops. He, the man is bloody and naked and left for dead, and he pours wine and oil. He cleans up his wounds. He picks him up, puts him on his donkey. His clothes probably got dirty doing that. At the end, he takes care of him overnight. His plans were probably interrupted. He takes care of this man overnight. The next day, he tells the innkeeper, go ahead and open up a tab. I'm going to pay for this guy, whatever he needs. Um, so Jesus tells this story, and then he asks the people, he just told it to, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And one man, an expert in the law, replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So Jesus says, yeah, that's, that's mercy. Go and do that. And so we, we get this picture, actually, this word mercy, I was just kind of looking it up, and, um, and it's the same word that Paul uses here about God, who is rich in mercy. That idea of he loves us with this crazy, inexplicable love, and he, he can turn that, the fact that he can turn that towards us, that's mercy, and have pity on us. And the third ingredient in this verse, it's by grace you have been saved. It's God's grace. And this is the one that, 
really seals the deal for this whole process of finding significance. God's crazy love is turned towards us in his mercy, but grace is what pardons us. So I read where mercy pities. Mercy has this feeling, oh, I really pity that. But grace pardons. Um, You see, in our condition that we're in, in sin, our death, because of all that sin, we owe God more than we could ever give or pay back. Good works aren't enough. We, We can't pay him back enough. So what grace does is pardons us. God wipes that clean. So this is where ultimate significance can be found. So really the answer, I'm not done yet, but the answer is it's God's grace. It's his love and his mercy and his grace that ultimately we can find significance. So let's read, there's a couple other cool things. Let's keep reading Paul's letter here in verse 6 and 7. It says, and God raised us up. It's not done, but God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So there's more to it. Let me quickly go through on the back. There's three things. When we trust God with our lives, these verses say we are made alive in Christ. So picture maybe a mannequin standing here, you know. You've seen them at like Old Navy. That's like their thing, the mannequins. So picture that or like a... Yeah, we'll go with mannequin. So it's plastic. It is inanimate. It can be moved from here to here, but that's it, you know. So picture that. And when I read this, we're made alive in Christ. I picture God like snapping his fingers and and the mannequin turns into like me. I'm alive. As real as I am right here, that's the picture of our spiritual condition. When we are in our sin, we are dead. We are inanimate. It's not like we were in a coma or we were sub unconscious or it's we were our God changed us he made us alive we were spiritually dead and that that mannequin is that's insignificance you know we try and we try to look for things but we're still a mannequin and second we are raised up with Christ it's not over we were we were dead God made us alive but he also raised us up and so I I picture um, you know when people die we we bury them we put them in a coffin and bury them. So I imagine like raising out of the coffin. You know, that's another way to say we were dead, we were buried, now we're being raised, we're alive. But also, I was researching this, raised up also means that God kind of elevates us. So not only is it, boom, you're alive, but God does something else. He kind of elevates us with Christ, which is similar to the third. We are seated with Christ. All of the, You can see all of these things on those verses, by the way. Um, so they're in there. We're seated with Christ, and I, I really like to picture um, being, se- being seated with Christ. What does that mean? I'm picturing like a wedding. We're actually going to a wedding um, this afternoon, and I think there's dinner served. I hope there is. But, you know, you know when, when dinner is served at a wedding, it's super nice. The tables are all decorated, and there's like a centerpiece. And it's, I love it when my name is on the table, that little card. I think that's cool. And when, when they spell it right, it's even better, John with no H. So, you know, when they nail it, man, that's cool. It's a cool feeling. So take that image. Remember that last time you went to a wedding and it was like that? Times like a million. And picture a heaven, a feast in heaven like that. And you show up and your name is there. It's spelled right. It's on the table, you know. And then you realize, oh my gosh, that's Jesus' table. 
Isn't that cool to, to picture it that way? That's what this says. We're seated with Christ. And, and that's, I love that. Kind of tingly, you know. That's, that's a great promise, but, but that even has implications here and now. That's in the future, and that's going to happen. But here and now, here's some of the benefits of, of being on earth and trusting God, is that our citizenship changes. So we're citizens of heaven, the Bible says. That's significant. We can be more than conquerors here on earth. You know, Spider-Man, Gladiator, Batman, the conquerors. And we can be more here on earth for God's kingdom. We are a chosen people, um, a royal priesthood, the Bible also says, when we trust God. We're chosen, we're royal. Those things are, are significant. So, so these are all answering the question of our significance. I think it's, there's some great promises in Scripture. Being made alive was... What it could have been enough, but we're also raised, we're seated. You know, all of these things are true when we trust God with our lives. And, and that's, what, that's what the answer to significance is. All right? And so quickly, as I wrap this up, this, this has been really theological, which is good. Um, when, we, when we sing and when we read Scripture, and, you know, these are the things we learn, and, and we need to know these things. But I want to turn this into practical as well. Um, there's a couple things that Paul writes in another book that helps us think of the, think in terms of how to apply this to my life. So the result of trusting God with our lives here on the back, our condition changes. So our condition can change. Um, in Colossians 3, verses 2 and 3, let me read that. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So we died to that old way. We're, we're alive in, in this new, significant life with Christ. So he says, set your mind on things above. It's, our condition changes. But that, that's still kind of theological. You don't have to scratch that out. But I want you to add under that, this is a mental shift. Jot that down. It's a mental shift. That's the practical result of trusting God is our thinking. Our minds need to be set on things above, not on earthly things. And what that means is we no longer have to worry about esteeming ourselves, finding our identity in some of those things that we look for our identity in. You know, if I'm not, if I don't have the perfect joke in the group, that's okay. You know, that's not my significance. A lot of rich people hire like PR representatives because of this whole idea of my image. You know, we don't have to worry about that. When we trust God with our lives, he stamps us, I picture like a big stamp, you know, significant now. You matter now. You know, you, your life can be about significant things now. So it's a mental shift. Our thinking changes. And second, I wrote, or my thought was, our position changes. So our position, we're seated with Christ. We're raised. Let me read this in Colossians 3, verse 1. Since then, since you've been raised with Christ, which we have when we trust him, Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So we see that. When, when we're raised, when we're seated with Christ, set your heart on the things above. And what I like better here, let's add something to this. Right? Our, my values change or my values shift. That's really what the practical thing is. So our, our heart, what we value, the way we make decisions, the things that matter to us affect our, our, our values and they affect our actions and decisions. And so one question to ask ourselves here is, you know, what are my values? 
we can think of them or we can identify them by looking at three different areas of our life. Our time will reveal our values, our talents, what we can do, what we're good at, and also our treasures. So think of those three things. So our time, what do you do? When you have free time, when you first get home from work, what do you do? Saturday morning, what are you excited about doing? You know, some of that, that can help us reveal what really we value. Or how about, well, let me say again, or before I move on, with our time, ways to, to make our time significant, there's a few ways we could buy up opportunities that come along that are going to just be significant, that are going to be ultimate. Things like uh, meeting people, spending time with people that really need to know God's love and mercy and grace. You know, we can use our time for that. We can attend conferences like this one on Saturday that are going to help us um, do life God's way. That's significant. We can use our time for that. Um, Our talent, the things that we're good at, our abilities, a lot of times if we reflect on those things that we do, in a way they they kind of circle around and come back and we can kind of honor ourselves through those things. And so a way to make our talent significant is do things that that aren't going to come back to me. They're going to, you know, kind of be stored up. We're investing in the heavenly kingdom. And so that means sometimes we have to do things that we don't want to do, um, but that we can do. So, so there's, there's a way to make your talent significant. And then our treasure. Actually, Cody and the band, you guys can come back up. Um, but our treasure, where does our money go? When you get paid, what is the first thing you do? Um, with your paycheck, with your, where does your expendable income go? Again, these are ways to reveal some of our values. And here, here's what it comes down to. If you forget everything else, that's okay. Um, but here's two things. We're asking the question, how can I be significant? Can I and, and how do I? And the answer is, number one, it's not about us. We have to trust in God with our lives. We have to believe in his love and his mercy take him up on his offer of his grace. Um, and, th- and that catapults us into ultimate significance now that we couldn't have found otherwise. So that's number one. And then if you are trusting God with your life, then it's a question of, well, you know, am I investing in significant things? You know, if, if you're not sending your time, your talent, your treasure um, ahead to the heavenly kingdom, that it, then it's just staying here in this insignificant earthly kingdom and so so those are ways that's kind of an answer to the question of how we do this a couple next steps on your listening guide um, we could memorize colossians 3 2 and that verse says set your mind on things above not on earthly things it's short easy to remember so hopefully you memorize that and what can happen is if our minds are on things above then our actions might follow throughout the day or our decisions Second, you can pinpoint where I look for significance. Um, and maybe it's while you're doing something, you're realizing, oh, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm really looking for significance here. Um, and you can pinpoint that. You can inventory your time, your talent, your treasure. Pull up Microsoft Excel if you're into Excel. You know, chart your day. What did I do today? Where did my time go? Or pull up your bank statement. Where did my money go? Uh, think about where my talents went. Did it come back to me or am I investing that into the heavenly kingdom? So those are some next steps. Let me pray and we'll continue. God, we, 
Thank you so much for your love that is inexplicable. Yeah, we try to um, put it to words, but we can't. Thank you for your mercy that you turn to us even in our sin and, and you have pity for us. God, and really thank you for your grace that there's, there's a way to be made significant, that you wipe our, our debt that we owe you. Um, it's amazing, God. Your faithfulness is so amazing to us, even though we are dead in our sin. God, thank you for that. I pray that as we live our lives this week, um, God, you would help us find significance in your kingdom. Um, I pray that we would, we would take you up on your offer to live a different way and, and find your way for our lives. God, thank you so much. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. In just a moment, we're going to be receiving our offering. And so if you want to take out...